0: الحمد لله الحمد لله الذي هدانا سبلا الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا ان هدانا الله وجاءت رسل ربنا بالحق وصدق المرسلون وأشهد ان لا إله إلا الله القاهر فوق عباده إذا قضى أمرا فإنما يقول له كن فيكون وأشهد أن حبيبنا وعزيزنا محمدا صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبده ورسوله وما كان الله ليعذبهم وأنت فيهم وما كان الله معذبهم وهم يستغفرون ما يطع الله ورسوله وولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له وما يعصي الله ورسوله وولي الأمر من المؤمنين falahadiyalah اما بعد dear committed brothers and dear committed sisters we began this khutbah late so we're going to have to and it's a very hot day out here so we're going to have to try to abbreviate some of the uh, the meanings I want you to Pay close attention To Some of the reference that is going to be made in surah Al Kahf To some of the developments in our time <coughs> To begin with In the Arabian Peninsula, back in the time of our struggling Prophet, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him and his, when the tension was high between those who committed themselves to Allah and those who committed themselves to a shaitan. So the Arab, the Arabian mushriks they went to Yehud. yahood had a significant presence in al-medina they went to them and they wanted to have information about this person called muhammad who's claiming to be a prophet and an apostle of Allah they wanted to ask them what is your opinion tell us what do you think about this person is he genuine or is he making things up so these yahood they told the mushriks go and ask muhammad these questions ask him about individuals youth young persons who had disappeared in a cave and ask him about this worldwide traveler who had gone to the ends of the world and ask him about a ruh The soul of man So in basically Yahud And that doesn't translate to Jew Because some people they want to Impose their understanding on what we say so basically what Yahud were saying to the mushriks of Mecca Ask him about Ahl al-Kahf, Ashab al-Kahf, Fityat al-Kahf Ask him, can you have, do you have information about this incident? And ask him about what we are to be apprised with Dhil Qarnayn and the, the chronicle of Dil Qarnayn is mentioned in Surah Al-Kahf And ask him about the ruh What is it, this soul that all human beings are, have What is it? Tell us, what is it? Obviously these are questions that come from people who have scriptural history And they thought, by communicating, these Yahud, by communicating through the Mushriks, that they are going to expose Allah's Prophet as a fake. So these individuals, notice here, that there was communication, and understanding, and an inferiority, superiority, Relationship between Yahud and the Arabian mushriks notice this so they came the mushriks were programmed by Yahud just like it's happening today I don't want to break from history and bring you to today use your common sense and use the information you have so these mushriks, they came to the Prophet and they said, Okay, if you are a Prophet, we have some questions for you. Answer these questions. So they asked him about Ashab Al-Kahf. They asked him about Dil qarnayn and they asked him about ar and the Prophet is a Prophet, Wamayam Tikwaanil Hawa. al Ameen. He listened and he said, I don't know. I have to if these are legitimate questions, I have to wait for an answer to be revealed to me by Allah. And when and if I receive that answer, I will tell you. So they waited the first day, the second day, the day after that, according to some information, a week or two after that. And finally, the information was revealed. Before we go to the information that was revealed in Surah Al-Kahf and in Surah Al-Isra the one about ruh wa yasalunaka 'ani ar-ruh kulir ar min amri rabbi wama utitum min al-'ilmi illa qalila So before we Mentally contact these ayat The prophet doesn't know everything If he knew everything He would have given them an answer right there and then He didn't have an answer If we think about this Does this damage the prophet's reputation? Does this take away from his isma? Does this make him a lesser prophet? None of that. The Prophet ﷺ had a relationship with Allah. And he was honoring this relationship. He's not going to lie. He's not going to make things up. He's not going to play a taqiyya game. He's not going to do any of that. So he said to them, frankly and straightforwardly, when I receive information pertaining to your questions, I will answer you. You think Yahud were absent from these developments? They were not around, they were not watching, they were not collecting information. They did not have their informers in all of this like they have in today's world. Of course they did and they bragged they brag they brag then and they brag now so they were bragging that their prophet Musa knows everything and has relayed to them the knowledge pertaining to everything that matters so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they asked about these three issues right Arruh. ruh Ashab Al-Kahf and Thee Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not only to answer the mushriks who came with three questions he also added more information about Musa himself Musa who the, the Yahud they take pride and they elevate themselves because of the Torah that was revealed to Musa and of their studies and the rabbinical classes of the generations that they had and all of this. So Allah reveals in addition to the questions that they posed to the Prophet, they meaning both Yahud and the Mushriks, He added unto that the Narrative of Musa with a rajul as Musa and the Sage. Musa also is a particular prophet. All of us know Musa Alayhi Musa had also a special relationship with Allah. He is called Kalimullah. He is the one who spoke to Allah and Allah jalla shanu spoke to him Kalimullah Allah says about Musa in the Quran wasana'tuka I I made you I it's like this in the English language is I custom made you وَصَنَعْتُكَ عَلَىٰ عيني. But Musa had his own f- feature and his own character. It is related in this body of information in Surah Al-Kahf about this incident. In one of the At least one of the reliable books of history and Islamic literature that Musa was asked, who's the most knowledgeable? Musa, in the presence of other people, was asked, who's the most knowledgeable person among us? And Musa said, He was. He was stating a fact, he wasn't. Uh, making things up he wasn't in a sense saying this out of an ego he was just stating this as a fact so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to teach Musa a higher lesson he had him conscious of another set of variables in human life So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has Musa interact with another person or another time era, depending on how you're reading these ayat. He's he's interacting with another person who some, you know, uh, historians and some mufassireen say that when Musa met or was introduced to this other character his name was Yusha ibn Nur that's what it's uh, what is said there i'm just relaying the information to you and he says la abrahu hat majma al الْبَحْرَيْنِ أَوْ أَمْضِيَ Moses said I'll not give up until I reach the confluence or the convergence of the two bodies of water and that has a little more understanding than the two seas or the two oceans, even if I have to proceed for decades or generations, I'll keep on walking, I'll keep on probing until I find the confluence of, the, of those two, let's say, approaches in life. And then Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala brings into Musa's consciousness the sage person Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala describes him Ataynahu min Rahma Ataynahu Rahma wa min Ilma. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has imparted to this person Grace and mercy and what is called a knowledge emanating from Allah In today's world now I will transition into today's world In today's world we have one feature that is predominant in the decision making process and that feature is what Musa was to learn and unlearn there's an impulse for doing what is right and let me put it this way so it becomes a more understandable thing There is a love for justice, a love for justice. We never think about matters like this. We have a calculation for justice. We have plans for justice. We have strategies for justice. If we have those, people who think about justice, that's what they have. They have ideologies or they have philosophies but none of them as far as yours truly here is concerned has come about across people who have a love for justice this was the lesson that musa was going to learn either from his own past and self an area in his life that he was not conscious of or he was going to learn it from this accompanying sage In his life doesn't matter whichever definition or whichever understanding you have in our life today we read these ayat these are in surat al-kahf and many Muslims they have information that it is a feature of virtue to read surat al-kahf on Fridays so how many times have we covered this territory how many times have we read about Musa and Ar-Rajul as salih And the three details that Musa objected to because of his logical mind, but rediscovered because of his love for justice. How many of us take a look at today's world? There's a lot of things happening in today's world. I will try to cover some of them in the following khutbah. How many of us are in love with justice so that we can see these issues around us not through the calculating mind alone. The calculating mind is required. But it's not everything, it's, the not, it's not the do-all and be-all, there's something besides that. And that lesson that is besides that is what Musa alayhi learned. Now, what do you think the effect of that should have been on Bani Israel and Yehud in the Arabian Peninsula? When the ayat were revealed, now I told you the mushriks came to the Prophet and they asked him about three subjects. And the Prophet remained, I don't know, 10 days, 14 days, a little more, a little less, until Allah revealed to him the information and he came to them, the same people, he said, this is the answer to your questions. Those 14 days, let's say they were 14 days, that time period should have been enough for them to rethink themselves and to reevaluate Muhammad himself. Because if he was a person making things up, he could have just given them some type of information in that same session, in that same day. He didn't. Because he was honest, he was truthful. And when the information came, they should have submitted themselves to Allah and accepted the prophet neither the mushriks did that nor Yahud who were behind the scenes manipulating all of this interaction between the mushriks and the prophet in today's world when we see what is happening around us it should be enough at least the information that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us should be enough for us to break out of the log jam that the materialistic world tries to frame us in, just like they tried to frame the Prophet by giving him questions that he could not find an immediate answer for, but eventually answered them. And we have the same challenges today, for which we don't have an immediate answer But hopefully we have the consciousness That can break through The constraints And the limitations that are imposed upon us <laughs> Alhamdulillah, <laughs> alladhi hada wa sallallahu wa sallam ala sayyidina al-mustafa wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ulinnuha wa tuqa. One other thing that belongs to the previous khutbah is The prophets of Allah are not carbon copies of each other Each one of them had different sets of circumstances that they were in prophet Lut. the major deviation in his society was a deviation of human nature what is called homosexuality The uh, Prophet Isa had the deviation of literalism by Bani Israel the rabbinical class was in that time the final say on all things pertaining to God and so if Allah sends a prophet they are supposed to exercise veto power over Allah's Prophet. And he had to deal with that. Musa alayhi salam, he had to deal with the concentration of power in the Pharaoh and his establishment. And Musa had his feature, as far as that is concerned, as as a Prophet. Which once, just like the... The silence of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa his silence when the mushriks came to him and asked him those questions and he didn't have an answer for a couple of weeks, that didn't damage his asma, that didn't damage his credibility, that didn't do away with his meritorious status. No, I don't know why some people can't, they can't understand this. The same thing with Prophet Musa. Prophet Musa, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at one point asked him Wama tilka Ya Musa?" Oh Musa, what is that in your right hand? Musa had a staff, a stick in his right re- hand So Musa, Musa uh, could have been a simple answer He عصايا, it's my stick Musa, uh, Musa went on as if Allah doesn't know He I use it as A prod. I support myself with it. And I use it when I'm going out to the pastures with my sheep. And I have some other useful purposes for having it. As if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't know that. So when Musa is speaking extra words to Allah, does that mean he's a lesser prophet? Does that something's wrong with him? Does that mean that it violates his asma? None of that. It just means he's expressing his honest self. So whether it's the silence of Muhammad or whether it's the extra words of Musa, it has nothing to do with violation of the Prophet's impeccability or his faultlessness. There's no fault in that. now to the contents of this khutbah we have the same mushriks of course they disguise themselves in islamic rights r-i-t-e-s islamic customs and islamic inherited practices who have been at war with the most, probably the most innocent people in the Arabian Peninsula. Killing. We we don't know the exact count because no one wants to count. And those who do can't. Those who do want to count cannot count. But some of the numbers that have come our way, 80,000, 90,000, 120,000, Innocent Muslims being killed by Those who disguise themselves in Islamic imagery And it seems like no one wants to expose them We have sometimes more decency and more courage in the non-Muslims who are looking at a massacre of a population and are concerned for other human beings. These are our brothers and sisters. We can't be concerned for them. And Alhamdulillah, these Mustawafien in El Yemen are fighting back. In the past couple of weeks or so, thirty six or thirty eight military missions were launched from Yemen. Many of these were drones, into targeting military installations or military bases or military personnel belonging to the Saudi criminals. And then we have the president of this country, should I say, the president of this government. In uh, as he went to the G20 summit in Japan, he had words of praise for MBS, the war criminal in the Arabian Peninsula. Words of praise that should register with any Muslim. And now we have, remember, Al Hajj. Begins next month. And here we are, about 40 days from Waqfat Arafat, from Eid al Adha, and there's a schedule of entertainment in the land of Allah's Prophet, in the land of Mecca and Al Medina. There's an entertainment schedule. On that schedule, on the 18th of July, some singer, entertainer, whatever you want to call her, is to perform in Jidda. Her name is Nikki Minaj, or however she pronounces her name, or they pronounce her name. And she is known to perform... Striptease, virtually striptease in her past performances. And she has some songs that are offensive to Muslims and Islam. In other words, she's an Islam hater. One of, uh, I, I, I don't know anything about her except what I read in what I consider to be more or less reliable news sources. She has a song called Beam Me Up Scotty. And in there, there are offensive words that are used that every Muslim should consider her presence in the land of Allah, in the land of His Prophet, in the land of Al-Anbiya, in the Holy Land to be a direct assault on what every muslim stands for so what do we say what do how do you evaluate are we you know are we uh mindless people we're 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 supposed to uh, tell ourselves oh nothing is happening everything is normal no nothing nothing is normal in the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, In the Lavina, you have and tashi al fahrisha to fill Lavina, Amano uleika lahuma verbun fi dunya wal erhira wallahu yalamu wa entum la ta'ala moon. Certainly, those who would like immorality, sexual immorality to become the mainstream of society the mainstream in a society of committed Muslims those are the ones who shall have an excruciating punishment in this world and in the world to come وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمْ وَأَنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ And Allah knows while you do not know. There's a uh, a Kuwaiti, an ex-member of parliament in Kuwait who criticized Saudi Arabia and now they want to imprison him simply for criticizing Saudi Arabia. Imagine what they would do to other people. I mean, is it haram to state the ma'roof and try to unstate the munkar? Undo the munkar? Six media outlets were invited to Bahrain. Remember last week or so they had that Conference there in which they were selling out the Palestinian issue. They're selling the Palestinians in Bahrain. The heads of state who attended were virtually rubber stamping a Zio imperialist plan to give the Holy Land to war criminals. And six media outlets were there from the Zionist state, covering all of this activity. And one of the journalists or correspondents, Israelis, one of the Israeli journalists and correspondents who attended the Manama conference in Bahrain, he said, this is the first time we are broadcasting live from Bahrain. How does that make you feel? As a Muslim, as a committed Muslim, how does that make you feel? And then the previous, a previous minister in the Israeli government, Minister of Justice, Prime Minister, or rather, Foreign Minister, she meets person to person with the Foreign Minister of Bahrain. And the Foreign Minister of Bahrain goes on TV and he brags about this is now a second camp david. This is what happens when our masajid, when our learned scholars, when they don't speak about these issues in the context of the Quran and the Prophet, look what they're getting away with. The American ambassador. Who's a Zionist. The American ambassador to Israel is a Zionist. The special envoy, the American special envoy to Israel is a Zionist. To the Middle East, Palestinian-Israeli conflict or whatever wording it has. Is a Zionist. Among the other Zionists who are in high gear now. Thinking that things are going to go their way. What do they do? They walk in an area from one of the suburbs of Jerusalem called Silwan. They walk to Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. There's a new type of tunnel that is dug there. And they go and walk that distance. What, What type of message are they trying to send to the Muslims? What are they trying to tell us? And then, how come the many of the other muslim public speakers how come they are silent about these issues that will impact us in a very significant way if they continue like this and then the sudanese military generals The person who went to the United Arab Emirates and then he went to Saudi Arabia and then he came back home and then he began all of this confrontation with his own people. He retains an Israeli, an ex-Mossad, who I guess his company is somewhere in Canada, retains him, paying him six million dollars. We know where that money comes from. Sudan is a poor country. You got that money from either the United Arab Emirates or Saudi Arabia, from both of them, to polish his image in the Western press. That's what they have. They have, they contact lobbies here, not only the Sudanese, others. They contact lobbies here and they pay them millions, if not tens of millions of dollars every year, just to polish their images which tells you what they are guilty and they know it and they want someone to defend them and then finally there's a uh, not finally there's a couple of other issues but in Egypt what is happening around Egypt is important what is happening in Sudan and what is happening in Libya if we are moral muslims We should be concerned with people, innocent people, losing their lives. And that's what's happening in Sudan and in Libya, because the prize is Egypt. And what do we have in the past couple of weeks? A fatwa issued by the Azhar or someone belonging to the Azhar. That says, listen to this brothers and sisters, this is how we have been dumbed down. It comes out with a fatwa saying, it is permissible to drink a malt beverage or what some people call beer. If the percentage of alcohol in that beverage is less than 0.002%. When you, when you hear, you listen, you see something like that, you say, Oh Allah, where are we, we the Muslims of the world? With all of the dislocations, and all of the problems, and all of the hunger, and all of the refugees, and all of the wars, and all of the bloodshed, and everything that makes you cry. And then they come out as if this is the number one issue on everyone's mind, they want to deal with an issue like this. Oh Allah, help us, help us. We need help. And then another very important development. I'll try to end with this. Another very important development is. Riots breaking out in Palestine. In Israeli colonized Palestine. What happened? A few days ago. An Ethiopian Jew. They're called Falashas. An Ethiopian Jew, 18 years old, was shot by a policeman. Cold-blooded, just like you see the racism that has reared its ugly head in this country. Well, it has its equivalents in Europe and in the Holy Land. So when news got circulated around that an innocent person was killed all of a sudden riots broke out I think it's in the area of Haifa one of the districts there broke out burning police cars The police reinforcing themselves on horses, on horseback, with ammunition, and charging against those who took issue with this fatal shooting of an innocent person. Ask yourself, why? Last January, a a similar thing happened. Another Ethiopian Jew was killed. was, Was killed. And you remember the incident years ago when the hospitals in that racist administration the hospital said they're not going to accept blood donations that come from Ethiopian Jews racism is a disease and and those who are racists begin to become racists again against their own selves. The, the Zionist Europeans and the Zionist Africans are racists against the Palestinians and the Arabs and the Muslims. Okay, we've been living with that for quite some time. It has no excuse, it has no justification, it's a fact of life and now that racism of the Zionists is eating itself it is eroding its internal self so if we're looking at the world like in the first khutbah if we're looking at surface events we we tend to feel that well, you know, let's go back to these types of khutbas that they give in this masjid here. Put everyone to sleep, make everyone feel that they did their jumwa obligation, and let them leave like they leave. The force of tradition brings them to the masjid, and the force of tradition pulls them back outside of the masjid. There's no thought, there's no heart, There's no vigor in the Jumu'ah. How much waste do we have in this world? The Jumu'ahs in this world. Does anyone just try to think how many Jumu'ahs we have in this world? Of course, it'll be about probably a hundred million Jumu'ahs. Little more, little less, who knows? Let's say 50 million Jumu'ahs in the world. If everyone is spending one or two hours that's 50 or 100 million hours among the Muslims who have been wasted in as far as there's no engagement of the heart and no engagement of the mind during this time Allahumma <laughs> arina al haqqa haqqan warzuqna tiba'ah wa arina al-baatila warzuqna ولا تجعلهم التبسا علينا واجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا لا تآخذنا إن نسينا أو أخطأنا ربنا ولا تحمل علينا إصرا كما حملته على الذين من قبلنا ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا طاقة لنا به واغفر لنا واغفر لنا وارحمنا انت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على محمد وال محمد وصلي وسلم وبارك على ابراهيم وال ابراهيم في العالمين انك حميد مجيد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر ان الانسان لفي خسر الا الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن اظلم ممن منع مساجد الله ان يذكر في اسمه وسعى في خرابها اولئك ما كان لهم ان يدخلوها الا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي وَلَهُمْ فِي الْآخِرَةِ عَذَابٌ عَظِيمٌ وَأَقِمِ الصَّلَاةِ إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ كَانَتْ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ كِتَابًا مَوْقُوتًا الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله